to another Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me online is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm good, except I can't hear any of the music. I missed out on the music, and I bleeped out, and then I came back. This is going to be an interesting podcast. It might be the Gentile podcast. Well, I'm just, I always like that you highlight our technical issues to everybody. You're airing, you're airing it all out. You know, that's a, that's a good thing. I believe in transparency. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, hold on a minute. Here we go. Welcome in, welcome in. Well, hey, listen, we've got a great program, and we've got Steve. I'm here in New Jersey. Steve is down in North Carolina. We're going to talk a little bit about why Steve's in North Carolina, but the two of us have been traveling quite a bit since our last podcast. I have been down to Tampa, and I had an opportunity to speak at Bayside Community Church. Uh, I love Tampa. That was my first time in Tampa, and so I came back on Sunday night, and then Steve left to go to North Carolina. Steve, what are you doing in North North Carolina, that we have to do the podcast from a distance. Well, Chris, I'm at a Pittsburgh uh, Christian Village, and uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm the speaker here for people who are retired, uh, and it's a, a, a village where you come in healthy. It's your last place that you're going to be. <laughs> come in healthy, move to the next spot, which is, well, they'll give you meals, and then the last spot is memory care assisted living that kind of thing i'm actually there's actually people here who are in wonderful health they drive and go places but they moved here they're younger than me so i'm amongst i'm amongst brethren and sisters my age <laughs> that are you tempted at all to go to north carolina uh my wife would never allow that <laughs> it's too hot and humid uh if they have something like this say in maine uh, that might be a good thing. All right. Sounds good. Well, I hope that everybody can hear us clearly. Uh, Steve likes to let everybody know when we have a technical issue, which I don't mind. Steve would actually make a fantastic pilot so that if anything happens, you know, on the plane, he'd get on the on the speaker right away and say, everybody, we've got a technical issue on the plane right now. So that would be your well, doesn't MO. Doesn't that drive you crazy, Chris, when some, you know something's wrong on the plane? You know it. There's no question about it. And you're waiting, at least tell us if we're going to die. I want to know <laughs> what the deal is. You're flying and they don't find, they don't say anything. Nope. So I want to say stuff. Hey, we blooped out and then we bloop back. That's right. Bloop is Steve's favorite word to use when technical issues happen. I blooped out. So Steve, well, what would you call it, Chris? I call it a bloop. No, bloop is funny. I actually always appreciate bloop. I feel, up. see, you just blooped oh, out. Go. I just blooped out. That's right, but you're going to bloop back in in a moment. There, there we there go. go. See, you, we didn't lose your audio, though. So anyway, hey, listen, we've got a great show lined up for you, even though Steve's uh, in North Carolina and I'm here in New Jersey. Uh, we want to continue teaching biblical truth. Uh, we want to share it from a Jewish perspective. And so today we're going to be studying from, uh, continuing our study in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 2. Uh, we've got some great news for you, a great a Yiddish word of the day. Um, Steve, when I was down in uh, at Bayside Community Church, I got one of the greatest surprises. And the greatest surprise was our friends who listened to us before they go to bed showed up at the church Unbelievable. to say hello to me. And so I want to give a big shout out to them um, and, uh, and and thank them for coming. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe they were just about to fall asleep and then they heard this and they woke back up again. Uh, but man, they came right up to me and they said, hi, we're the people who listen to you before we go to bed. I can only imagine the nightmares that they <laughs> have uh, where they're just in sound asleep and a Yiddish word comes and wakes them up. Yeah. <laughs> up I just blooped out again. Yeah, there I this am is going to we're going to title this episode Steve bloops out, okay? Just remember that, okay? Steve bloops Chris, out. Chris, I do have to tell you what a compliment in all seriousness that they would come down. That's not their uh, church that they attend. I don't know how they found out you were there, but they said, "You know what? We're going to hear the Gentile. We want to hear the Gentile." <laughs> we prefer uh, the Jewish guy. But no, we'll take the no, no. You know, they're going with the Goyesha guy. I get it. It's no problem. The Goyesha guy that looks Jewish. Somebody told me that, you know, I thought you were the Gentile and he was the Jew. <laughs> so you never know. Hey, Steve, I do have to say it's funny. Whenever I go and speak at a church, 
I think because I work for the Friends of Israel, I totally understand people automatically. It's my beard. And I also think it's my complexion. I, I don't think it's just the beard. I think the beard helps. But people say, oh, uh, my Jewish brother. And I go, oh, I hate to break the news to you because you, you know, have this thought, but I'm not Jewish. And so it, I always love it when people come up. It almost looks like I let them down, Steve. That's the best part. It's like it's like they come with all this excitement. Oh, a Jewish believer. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just like you. Ah, all right. You're fine. Get out of here. You know, so, well, you know, Chris, if you turn your head slightly to the right, slightly turn your head. That's it. And tilt your head a little back because right behind you is Theodore Hurt. It's a perfect match. You got to lower the mic a little so everybody could see. Oh, amazing. Look at that. We have Chris Herzl. Well, Theodore Herzl is my spirit uh, animal, as they would say. So I, I love Theodore Herzl. Honored to have a beard like Theodore Herzl's. And in fact, I we got a text from a, a listener um, who bought bobbleheads for his family and because he liked our bobbleheads so much, and he took a picture, he showed me a picture of his bobbleheads, and guess what? He's got a nice beard, too, so he's a beard brother uh, for if he's listening right now. So a lot of exciting things are happening. Um, we want As we're going to be diving into uh, the book of Daniel, I want to remind you that you can actually go on our uh, show notes, and you can find a link that will take you to... Rennie Showers' commentary on the book of Daniel, Dr. Reynolds Showers, uh, he has a book called The Most High God that will do a much better job than Steve and I could ever do on the podcast. No question about that. And so uh, if you're interested in learning more in depth about uh, the, the book of Daniel, um, the importance of Daniel in biblical prophecy uh, from a from a Friends of Israel perspective, then I encourage you to go to our uh, the link that's in our show notes for the podcast or on YouTube, and there you can purchase. It's very affordable. I think it's $11 or something like that. A fantastic well, you know, Chris, book. You know, Chris, that book, I've read it from cover to cover twice, and I started to go through it because of the podcast, and I as I've gone through it, going through it again, I, it's not that I'm trying to sell a book. I'm really not. I can tell you, not just, as you said, the Friends of Israel perspective, Rennie does the kind of job that as he goes through the text, it really will help you later, as we've already gone through the book of Revelation, but it will help any person, any believer, really connect with that book. And also in the time period, uh, in which Daniel was written, and even more importantly, something we're going to talk about today, the practical aspect of Daniel to living today. Mm. There is amazing ties, and Rennie does a great job in sharing those things. So I'll, I highly recommend it for your Christian life. Well, uh, so please go to our show notes in there. You can click on the link and purchase Rennie Shower's book, The Most High God. Rennie's with the Lord right now, um, but uh, he had a—if uh, you don't know Dr. Reynolds Showers and you're listening to this podcast, he had an amazing ministry, uh, an academic ministry, very important in teaching God's Word. Uh, and so uh, he not only was a phenomenal teacher, but a phenomenal writer. So again, that's the yeah, most high I, God. I've never, I would never, no one will ever say of me, I had an academic that's, ministry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not true. That's not oh, true. it is true. It is, that's, oh no, I'm. You're like the I'm, elementary school academic I side of like things. I am the person that will take the person to the foundation that they have an understanding, and then ship them over to the scholars. That's right. <laughs> you know how to get them there. That's the thing. I, I, I know I know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve, uh, last night was the first night of uh, the beginning of our FOI Equip internship for 2023. How'd that go, Chris? Oh, How'd that go? Fantastic. So first of all, for our listeners, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. And FOI Equip is much more than just the Jew and Gentile podcast. FOI Equip does amazing ministry in building bridges between the Jewish community and the Christian community. First of all, you can join us on a class that Steve will be teaching tomorrow night um, uh, for Yom Kippur. That's our FOI Equip online classes. And so if you are listening and you're interested and want to learn more about Yom Kippur and even the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, last week Steve taught on Rosh Hashanah. 
Um, uh, we've got uh, an amazing fall feast lineup here that Steve's teaching about that you can go to foiequip.org and you could register for the class. But I also want to say this, FOI Equip is more than just the uh, the teaching component. It's also the, the ministry component. And so we have uh, our encounter program where you get an opportunity to experience the Jewish people in Brooklyn and Philadelphia, and you get a chance to learn face-to-face and talk to Jewish people, interact with them, learn about their culture, their community. Uh, Bridges is our training program in Jewish ministry, our online training program that's free, that encourages Christians to learn and be confident in what it means to engage in the Jewish community that's around them. Uh, And then we also have our FOI Equip interns. Our interns are actually paid interns, young adults who are engaging in their local Jewish community, and we have six of them this year, Steve, Um, and the six are actually in two, uh, two in Canada and four in the United States, and I am so excited to see the work that they do. So, you know, if you are a contributor, a contributor to FOI Equip, and you give, you're not just giving to the Jew and Gentile podcast. You're not just giving um, to to the classes online. Uh, you're actually giving to real hands-on ministry, Jewish ministry that's taking place all around the United States, Canada, and even into all around the world with our volunteers that are serving on the Tikva team. So really, FOI Equip is a a, a, a a global ministry that is not only educating about Israel and the Jewish people from a biblical perspective, but also engaging Christians to get involved. Well, you know, Chris, we have two of the six are Canadian, as you said. One is in Quebec, and he speaks French. That's right. I'm very excited about that. We haven't had a French speaker in Quebec in Canada in probably uh, 35 years. When I first came with the organization, we did uh, have someone. His name was Morris. He was a great guy. He was on the college campus. He was engaging with young Canadian students. Uh, and then when he went to be with the Lord, it, to find somebody who's bilingual, you know, wherever I travel, I'm, I'll be going to Germany. And wherever I travel overseas, I always say, well, you know, if you speak three languages, you're trilingual. If you, sing, if you speak two languages, you're uh, bilingual. And if you speak one language, you're an American. <laughs> That's true. That's it, right. It, so we're happy for bilingual in Quebec. I know in Israel, there were kids. I mean, I, when I was leading uh, our volunteer trips over there, there were kids that spoke four languages. Kids. And I thought, man, oh, man, I can't even. I, I got shalom down. And these kids are speaking fluently four languages. It's, yeah, it's exciting to have young people across North America who are learning and anxious to learn, Chris. That's that's what we talk about, how it's advantageous to Friends of Israel that we have them uh, in strategic places. But they're thrilled because they want to engage. You know, there's people, there's might be somebody listening. Well, maybe it's the ninth listener. Mm. I don't know. But maybe there's somebody out there who's saying, you know, I would love to engage in the Jewish community. I don't exactly know how. Well, you've just given them a roadmap as to how they can do it. And Chris, they're not just young people. They're a diverse group, a male and female, old and young who are taking bridges and who are becoming Tikva volunteers. Uh, and it is expanding. I think we have across right ethnicities now, too. We've got people from all different countries that are coming to engage and learn. It's amazing. It is amazing. And you know what? You and I can't take any credit. None. Uh, n- the Lord Jesus is an, is just like he was in the time of Daniel. We'll, we're going to be talking about it. Maybe that's a good way to segue as I keep blooping in and out uh, to segue into the how God took not just Daniel, but three of his friends, and they were certainly prime people. They were chosen by Nebuchadnezzar, but God took what Nebuchadnezzar chose and enhance them even more. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, just to catch our listeners up on on where we are, we're we're picking up a kind of on the on the um, latter half of the book of Daniel in, ch- in chapter one. Um, and last week we looked at how Daniel and his three 
compatriots were in Babylon and they were actually chosen for a purpose because uh, they were going to be working in the king's court, in Nebuchadnezzar's court. And so they needed to be plumped up. They needed to be educated in the Babylonian ways as Jewish men. And so in order not to defile themselves, as it says, they asked if they could not you know, eat the king's food and, and drink the king's wine. And that kind of startled the person that is in charge of them because uh, that this is the system and this is from the king himself. So you're asking me to do something that the king uh, ordered, which I, I, I maybe he thought he could get himself in trouble by doing this. But Daniel um, said, just let us eat, you know, some basic foods, vegetables. And uh, we promise, uh, we trust in God that he's going to make us even more fit um, and 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 suitable than everybody else who's eating the king's food. And so God did it. God did the a miracle. You know, while everyone else is probably eating pork and pig and and all the fatty foods, and they're getting uh, prepped for the king. There's Daniel eating, you know, vegetables, and and all of a sudden he still has the capacity. He 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 goes before the. You know, he looks perfectly fine. He's fit. Um, you know, however he's supposed to look, and then some. It says uh, so. God was prepping him for this moment, but in the middle of a Gentile world, Steve, in the middle of a Gentile world, they're not in Israel anymore. In the middle of a Gentile world, they're still, they're striving to maintain their Jewish identity, even though the systems are forcing them to embrace a Babylonian Gentile way. Uh, now, all of a sudden, Daniel um, is, uh, and his friends are going to work tirelessly to make sure they maintain their Jewish identity and they're not defiled in a Gentile world. Well, you know, Chris, Daniel was Tom Brady before Tom Brady became Tom Brady. Go on. I like this. Now, what do I mean by that? He's Tom the GOAT. Brady, uh, when he was quarterback first for New England Patriots and then for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, lived for 23 years in the NFL as an extremely disciplined person. Oh, I he like would that. not let any kind of trait. Now, he's not Jewish. Unclean. Everything had to be clean. He, he eats to this day clean. You could go online, which I've done before, to read about the diet that Tom Brady has. He's never eaten a strawberry. He doesn't eat tomatoes because uh, those kinds of things uh, promote joint issues and uh so daniel before if tom brady wasn't born during uh daniel's time but he did that he he would not eat the trafe and in addition chris he didn't do what at least the steve herzig would do sometimes being <laughs> blunt and pushy he didn't say hey i'm not going to eat that trafe I, i'm jewish i'm not going to do that he went and he asked kindly he, he just said, look, I understand how difficult this is, but let's do a test. This won't hurt you in any way. You check me out. And if it works, everything's good. Live and be well. And that's exactly what happened. So I note not only the stand that Daniel took, but the way in which he handled it. I think he handled it with grace. It's a real encouragement to you and I in any situation as we're with folks who don't agree with our theology. Uh, we don't ram things down people's throats. We try to be uh, gracious to people, to listen to them, uh, to understand where they're coming from. Uh, and I think that's exactly what Daniel did. He was considerate of the, of the uh, situation that the guards had, and it worked out great for everybody. You know, uh, another thing to highlight, too, when we're thinking about Daniel is that Jesus talks about, on the Sermon on the Mount, especially from the book of Luke, Jesus highlights um, this concept of the times of the Gentiles, which I believe gets worked out here as we're going to be studying through the, the book of Daniel. I'm going to read this really quick because it says, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let all those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in, great, in the city get out. And let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been um, and all that has been written. Uh, how dreadful is it uh, will these days be for pregnant women and nursing mothers? There will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. 
Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so even prophetically, Jewish people at this time had a concept of, of, of the times of the Gentiles, which I believe roots back to this moment in the book of Daniel. And if you notice, Daniel's primary concern as he's sharing these visions that God's giving with him are a lot to do with the times of the Gentiles. There is a transition that happens um, between uh, the kingdom of God as it was kind of uh, functioning um, in Israel, and then when they get kicked out of the land, now all of a sudden Israel is entering into the time, or Israel as a land is entering into the times of the Gentiles. And maybe, Steve, you want to develop that a little more before we get into Daniel. Well, you know, it's going to be shortly after this that uh, he's going to talk about Babylon through that statue. Uh, Babylon is gold. If, as you, as the uh, king has this dream, and Daniel will be the only one who can interpret it, the times of the Gentiles really begins this way. And, you know, the language changes in the book of Daniel as well. It's very interesting that it goes from Hebrew to Aramaic. I find that interesting. As, as we think of the uh, theme of the book. But these future, for Daniel, nations, the present one being Babylon, then of Medo-Persia, then of Greece, then of Rome. Uh, and Chris, we're still living in the times of the Gentiles, aren't we? Yeah, that's exactly, that's what I wanted to highlight is that technically we're still living in the times of the Gentiles. There's still a, an essence of control that the Gentiles have over the land. Um, and even, you know, to really understand the times of the Gentiles, we'd have to go back and study Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, and 30 to see what was aye, going aye, on. Aye, the blessings and the curses. And uh, of course, the curses are longer than the blessings. That's right. That's it, the way it usually is. Exactly. There's a line there, though, in Daniel chapter 20, I mean, Deuter Deuteronomy 28, where it talks about the fact that you know, if you if Israel follows the Lord and maintains their relationship with the Lord, uh, um, then what will happen is Israel will be the head of the nations, not the tail. And so it, it's it's only fourteen verses is the blessings. The other what is it fifty fifty of verses are the curses. <laughs> follows wherever we go. And so if it says though, if you go back and you read through Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy twenty eight and you read about the bless or the cursings. Now, all of a sudden, Israel is the tail if they're not following, and so which means that the Gentile nations are the ones leading. But that was never God's intent. God's intent was not to have Israel as the tail. It was to have Israel as the head. It says that the Israel wouldn't be uh, um, borrowing from nations financially. It says uh, if, if they follow the Lord, that Israel would, would be lending to nations. The enemies wouldn't would come in, but then they'd scatter seven different ways. But if they didn't follow, they would be borrowing from nations. If they didn't follow, then they'd be uh, their enemies would scatter them. And so, again, you have this picture of the times of the Gentiles is in relationship to Israel's disobedience to God's will for them and to God's plan and, the, and their lack of following him. And so, you, again, you see this concept, not only is Daniel talking about the times of the Gentiles, even Jesus on the, on the Olivet Discourse, when he's talking about the future of Israel, when he's talking about prophetic events that, events that will take place, says that all these things must happen in order for the times of the Gentiles to come to its completion. So there is an end to the times of the Gentiles, Steve. That's the big thing. Yes. And you know, in the text at the end of chapter one, Chris, here they are prisoners in away from their families by themselves teenagers we already talked about the stand that they took and in verse 17 it says as for these four young men god gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom and daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams and in verse 19 it says the king interviewed them and among them all, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in the realm. Chris, here they are living in the midst of captivity for them. 
they, Nebuchadnezzar already picked the best, but God made them better. God made them better. And that concept of being made better can be applied, honestly, I believe, when we become new creatures. We don't all become smart. You know I graduated in the top 10% of the lower third of my class. And he never made me smarter. But I would argue that he made me better. Uh, and so he equipped me as he equips all his children, all of them, to be a better version of themselves. It's remarkable to hear. Here I am uh, visiting every meal with uh, those who are at the end of their journey. They're, as I said, and I, there's missionaries here, retired missionaries that are here, people who are in business. They're in the latter part of their journey and they share how God has used them through the years and their family. I, easily the consensus is as a person commits themselves to the Lord Jesus after they're saved and become new creatures, he enables them to, to be a better version of themselves, fit for the master's use, to go on to, to, to minister for him. And uh, the wonderful examples that I have here, uh, I think could be applied to what God did for Daniel and his three friends. And, you know, I love that you brought that up, too, because Daniel and, and, uh, and his friends, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, all of them were actually working from a deficit according to human standards. And the deficit, was, they, they put themselves in that deficit. And the deficit is the king wanted them to do a certain thing, um, eat certain foods because they knew that this would produce what the king wanted. Um, and yet they said, no, we don't want to eat that. We're going to maintain our obedience to the father. We're going to maintain our, our obedience to uh, his call in our lives. We don't want to defile ourselves. And we promise you we'll be even better, as you said. And sure enough, even from a deficit of eating only those vegetables, God made them better. And they were actually set apart in the king's court as being uh, having a reputation for being better, which is so fascinating that it, it kind of seems to stem back to the concept of obedience and following God in faith. Um, you know, this is, uh, I think we might've mentioned this last week, but you know, a lot of times when kids go away to college, they, they use that freedom to kind of break the shackles of the rules and regulations that their parents had under their roof. Uh, I went to Bible college, and I can tell you this. I, I always thought it was fascinating, you know, um, how kids would come. They grew up in a Christian home. They had the rules. They had the regulations. But now that mom and dad is not are not around, guess what? I'm, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And uh, a lot of times they are run contrary to the rules that maybe they grew up with. And so here's Daniel and and his three friends, and you'd think that this was an opportunity to break free uh, of of the confines of the law that you know bound them, what they, maybe they looked at it as a negative thing, but they didn't. They saw it as a positive thing in their faith with the Lord, their walk with the Lord, and their obedience to the Lord. And God blessed that. Um, and they're ble He's blessing it even outside of the land in Babylon, which is amazing. And Steve, I can't help but think it took faith to do that. It took faith. And, you know, uh, you and I were talking before we got on, on on the podcast, and we were just thinking about our Friends of Israel team uh, that take those steps of faith to remain obedient to the call that God had. And it's amazing to see some of the similarities there between Daniel and his friends and even some of our amazing staff that are serving globally all around the world. It is exciting. You know, uh, you and I talk about staying in your lane. Uh we talk about that all the time. Uh, we're North American Ministries. We're called to a specific ministry, and under that umbrella uh, is a call, individual calls of of our workers, and they're called to different kinds of work under the banner of North American Ministry. And the beauty is, as Daniel and his friends stayed in their lane, in the sense of by faith, they they conducted themselves as observant a Jewish people to commit to the Lord that they loved, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and uh, God accomplished great things through them. We think of our staff. Chris, we have a varied staff, different gifts, different abilities, uh, 
quite frankly, I could not do. I am not capable of some of the kinds of ministries that our people have. They couldn't do what I do. They stay in their lane and God is blessing them. One of the neat things that I shared uh, here in uh, Pittsburgh is uh, Charles Furrow, who was diagnosed with a cancer, uh, a, a, a first stage of pancreatic cancer. And so I told the folks there, oh, you get a you get a diagnosis like that, and that means you're done. You know, you're 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 done. You you have to concentrate on your health. Well, that's not what Charles did. He stayed in his lane. He knew the circumstances he was in, and he reported to us five days after the surgery on Chapel that he was witnessing to the oncologist, to hmm. the surgeon. He was doing nothing different than what he would do if he was healthy, except that instead of uh, going to the Holocaust Museum as a docent, he had to go to the hospital for surgery with his cap on his head and uh, stuff, uh, things going into his arm and all that. He's sharing the gospel. That is being the best you, staying in your lane. Charles was Tom Brady before Tom Brady. <laughs> Charles, he is Tom Brady before Tom He's Brady. We love Charles Furrow. Disciplined. Uh, that's how God blesses. And it's, it is an amazing thing to see. Uh, Daniel, his friends, an amazing thing. Chris, why don't you highlight a couple of the newer folks that really God gave in a call to our work? Yeah, you know, uh, that what the, the amazing team that comes to mind is uh, Carrie Gould recently came on with the Friends of Israel, and she serves up in the New Jersey, New York City area, and she just does an amazing job, like you said, of staying in her lane, remaining obedient to the Lord, and, and trusting in Him, uh, and, and with a passion. And that's the thing, is that all of our staff share the same passion. They might have different gifts, but they share the same passion um, to uh, bring physical and spiritual comfort, as we say in our mission statement, to the Jewish people. It's a part of the DNA of who we are. And Carrie Gould is so active in the Jewish community as a Christian um, in, the new, uh, in the New Jersey and New York City area. She gets invited all the time to events, and she gets uh, um, invited to Mahjong, and she gets invited to participate in, um, in uh, um, you know, uh, Jewish pol political events, religious events. She goes to the JCC. She's a professional painter, and she gives painting lessons uh, at the JCC. Uh, she has a reputation that precedes her, and she's working from a deficit. She does. She works. It's it, when, Whenever you're in ministry, you're often working from a deficit. This isn't a for-profit organization. It's a non-profit organization. She's out raising funds. So even from a deficit, even financially, you know, she's completely dependent on the Lord, on what he would supply for her financially, in the same way that Daniel was at a deficit uh, with the food that he was eating, and yet God provided and made it even better. It's amazing how we see that even from a deficit, uh, being a nonprofit, needing to raise funds to do the things that God calls us to do, uh, it, God continues to bless and 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 provide for us uh, well, in, know, in all know, of it. Chris, uh, you, I'm glad you brought up Carrie, who is an artist, as you said, and she has chutzpah. She's such, she's a very soft-spoken person. So her chutzpah isn't like me with a loud voice and all that. The <laughs> folks here at the village are she wouldn't get me, a word. Hey. She doesn't get a word in with you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but the folks are telling me here at the village. They said it's so refreshing. We could hear you. Yeah. We never hear our speakers. <laughs> we can hear you. So I have to tell my wife that being loud is uh, sometimes okay. But Carrie, it has its perks. Carrie has. She she gives. She paints pictures and gives them away. Mm -hmm. I mean, she sells some, but she gives them away. She gives lessons uh, to families, Jewish families who call her up. She puts her name up and says, hey, I'll, I'll, if you're interested in lessons for painting, I'll do that. And they say, wait, why are you doing this? You're not even Jewish. And she said, I love the Jewish people. This is the gift God gave me. And I'm really glad to do that. You know, Chris, what struck me about Carrie is she's a widow. And uh, when twice over out, a widow, twice over, twice over. And when she first came with us and got involved in the Jewish community, uh, one of the Jewish gals she met invited her to a recovery 
uh, group. And Carrie told me a widow's that, recovery group. Yeah, I thank you for adding that. She said, I, I didn't want to go to a, rec a widow's recovery thing. She said, I miss my husband, but but I, you know, I'm I'm I know he's in a better place. But you know what? I'm going to go. I'm not going for me. I'm going for these ladies mm. and they love her. Yes. She gives such hope and encouragement. They wonder how could she, how has she overcome as you described that deficit losing your husband and in her case twice, but losing her husband, she says, well, my faith is I have faith. And uh, it's not just, I have faith in faith. I have faith in the living God and have a relationship with him. And there are ladies who said, I'd like to talk to you more mm -hmm. about this faith. Chris, that is working from a deficit, but empowered by the living God, just like Daniel and his friends. I also am reminded when she first started with Friends of Israel, um, she was invited by the Jewish Community Center. She offered her services to uh, teach painting classes at the Jewish Community Center. And um, the lady came up to her and said, oh, I'm so thankful that you would do this. How much are your services that we have to pay you in order to teach these classes? And she goes, oh, nothing. It's free. I want to give, I want to, you know, I want to be able to give. It seven times? Free, 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 free. If she didn't, she should have. But I think it <laughs> struck a nerve. Uh, not a nerve. It struck uh, the, the heart of this particular person that puts these together because she couldn't believe that a professional individual and when i say carrie is a professional artist she is a professional artist and um she deserves to be paid by her gifts that she has but she doesn't want payment and she want and the lady goes why did you do this you know why would you do this for free and she goes because i love the jewish people um with a biblical love and so uh, honestly it strikes at the, the 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 conscience i think of the jewish people to think about Carrie. And like you said, she isn't this loud, boisterous person like me and you. Um, she's quiet. She's soft-spoken, but she can really pack a punch when it comes to showing the love of the Messiah Jesus in the in the actions that actions that she has, even working from a deficit like a lot of our 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 uh, representatives do. So I, you know, when we were reading through this, Steve. We couldn't help but think of not just Friends of Israel representatives, but people who are doing ministry. Um, it, God empowers us by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to serve Him. And He, the thing that I believe we're seeing from this that He wants the most is that we're out in the world, because uh, the world is like Babylon. As we're out in the world, He wants yep. us to remain obedient to Him, even when it seems like it's coming from a deficit. God will will provide even from a deficit as we serve him. It is amazing, Chris. I'm really excited about this text and staying in your lane. I never thought that I'd be talking about that on the podcast. We talk about it all the time in our office, but staying in your lane and Tom Brady, two things I never thought I'd bring up at the podcast. Well, just uh, as we wrap up uh, Daniel chapter one, I just want to let you know, it says, and Daniel remained there in Babylon until the first year of King Cyrus. So that means Daniel was in Babylon. He was probably born around 620 BC. Um, and uh, he was exiled to Babylon in 605 BC. Uh, so about 15 years old. And then he remained there until 538 BC. Very long time. Um, hey, he could have qualified for Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he got some social security or something from the <laughs> from the from the Babylonians. But he did witness something amazing. Uh, this is something for us to talk about because it will appear as it's developing in the book of Daniel is that Daniel sees an amazing thing happen. He watches one Gentile empire get gobbled up by another Gentile empire, which is something that he saw in a vision. So he was actually able to see, uh, there's a reason that this is in at the end of Daniel chapter one, he saw a transition from one empire to another, which was something that the Lord said would happen in the visions of Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel was able to witness the faithfulness of God and seeing these things through. And I'm sure when he passed away in the first year of King Cyrus, he knew this is exactly what the Lord said would happen. 
It's a, it's amazing, Chris. Just amazing. Well, all right. Well, we're going to continue our study in Daniel chapter two next week. Um, we'll, we'll keep going. I, I think you'll be back here in the podcast room, right, Steve? Next week? I will. Next week, I blooped out again, but next week I won't be blooping. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll bloop you just to get you uh, feeling, <laughs> you know, bloopy or whatever. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, listen, let's go to our news. Uh, Steve uh, sent some great news articles my way over the past few days. Um, and so, uh, Steve, if, uh, we've got some great articles. The first one that pops up is that the U.N. detains an, the Israeli ambassador. This is big. The U.N. Uh, general meeting is happening. That means Netanyahu is in New York. Uh, Joe Biden is also in New York, along with the Iranian president, who's also in New York. Uh, Joe Biden is using this as an opportunity, Steve, to meet with Benjamin Netanyahu. But notice they're not meeting at the White House, Steve. They're meeting in New York at the U.N. general meeting and so general assembly. And so it's a little bit of a different kind of diplomatic relationship. He wasn't invited to the White House, but they're deciding to shake hands and see each other in New York. It speaks volumes if you think about the relationship between Israel and America right now. But Joe Biden is staying in his lane, Chris. He stays in his lane. It's the Obama lane. If you remember the way Netanyahu was treated by President Obama, he actually came to the White House, but he had to come through the back door. Literally. Yep. I mean, literally. They don't normally do that for a prime minister of a country. Not only did he have to go, he actually went through the kitchen. He went th- had to go, the prime minister of a country had to go through the kitchen And the Obamas were eating and came down. They made him wait. Mm. I'm telling you that because the vice president at that time was Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, it took him months to to, uh, thank or congratulate Netanyahu upon his victory. Uh, uh, Joe Biden has not been uh, at all interested in really embracing the leader, and yet he calls him his best friend. Oh, we go back all these years. If that's the way you treat friends, I would hate to be one of Joe Biden's enemies. That's, that's right. All I could say. That's right. You, uh, have, you, you can't. You're not invited to his house. You got to go meet at, uh, you know, some 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 meeting space or whatever away from exactly. your home. Exactly. And in the video that I sent you, they actually the UN security guards actually took out this ambassador. Uh, they escorted him out because he protested the speaker who under the speaker who was a Iranian leader, the uh, the speaker was overseeing a woman who did not wear a hajib, uh, an Iranian woman who was killed. And so he paraded her picture around uh, at that in the U.N. meeting and immediately was escorted out. In an unceremoniously way, too, Chris, as you you view the video, I, I think you're linking that uh, uh, article or video so that folks could see it. It's not it's not great. Uh, the idea of of murder uh, somebody for their religious freedom uh, in the U.N. and to protest that is it, it, it's mind boggling to me. Uh, one of our uh, co-workers, Chris. Uh, named Martha asked me when she texted me this morning, she said, I wonder how people would react uh, to Netanyahu uh, when he speaks. Mm. We already know people walked out on him. Mm-hmm. They voluntarily walked out uh, he, to be escorted out to me is just, it's a sham. Uh, I, we don't want to be political. You and I here at uh, the Jew and Gentile podcast, but you can't help but being a little political as you talk about world events and reporting them. Uh, it's just a shame. Uh, and I just say Joe Biden has stayed in his lane. Well, you know, um, the United Nations was founded after the Holocaust in response to the Holocaust uh, and the the human rights atrocities that happened during the Holocaust. And so it's interesting to me that a Jewish man has to hold up a sign of a woman who faced a human rights issue under the under the uh, by a, the president, the president's the Iranian president Ibrahim Raisi that uh, Steve was talking about, 
And uh, and so it's interesting because it took a Jewish man to say, look at these human rights atrocities. Here's the U.N. The U.N. was designed to make sure these things don't happen again. And yet we're giving a platform to the president of Iran, the leading state sponsor of terrorism, not just in the world, but also in their own country. Uh, and so, you know, it says uh, in the article by JNS that we posted that Gilead Erdan, was, who is the Israeli ambassador, was temporarily dis- uh, detained but then released with assistance from Israeli security and a diplomatic team. The U.N. police te- temporarily detained Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Gilead Erdan, after the diplomat held a photo during a talk on the floor by Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi. Uh, video footage was provided by JNS, that's the Jewish News, um, which was told that Erdan was released with the assistance of Israeli security and diplomatic teams. And it says this, quote, while the butcher of Tehran is speaking at the UN and is being respected by the international community, hundreds of Iranians are protesting outside, shouting and calling on the international community to wake up and to help them, Erdan said. It is a disgrace that the member states say to listen to a mass murderer. You know, it is interesting, Steve, when you compare Israel to Iran. Here, you know, I am sure more people at the UN are talking about judicial reform in Israel. I'm sure they're talking more about the upheaval that's happening politically in Israel uh, than they are about what's going on in Iran right now. Uh, Uh, Not only that, Chris, Joe Biden just gave them a little bit of spending money, didn't he? That's exactly right. $7 billion. <laughs> yeah, you for the for the for the release of uh, the American hostages uh, in Iran, they did a swap and then gave they released six billion dollars from South Korea. Oh, six. I'm sorry. Yeah. see, I wanted a perfect number seven, so I got six, <laughs> which is the number of man. Exactly. So that makes it that makes it even more interesting. <laughs> six billion dollars, uh, Chris. It is. It's always been a joke that the number one. Uh, violator of human rights, according to the United Nations, is Israel, not North Korea, not Iran, not, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, North Korea. What's another axis of evil country? North uh, North Korea, Iran, China is an issue. Uh, China. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. China. Uh, and they have much lower rates, according to the UN, of human rights violations. And yet, if you were, which has been done, the surveys have been taken uh, with uh, anonymous Palestinians. They were, they had to be anonymous because they were worried about getting killed. Would you rather live under the Palestinian rule or under Israeli rule? And they all say Israel. 100%. Why? Because they have they would have religious freedom. Yep. Exactly. No, I mean, but that's the thing that's funny to me about uh, the way that the world works is that Israel is certainly dealing with uh, political strife right now. There's no doubt about that. No but, doubt. But th- I'll tell you this. Israel has the ability to vote in a new government um, and change the entire way of how the judicial reform is going. They have every right to do that. Their voices can be heard uh, in a in a democracy. Um, it's just funny to me how much that the reason the reason why Biden is not meeting Netanyahu at the White House is because of judicial because of the way that the government is managing uh, Netanyahu's government is managing judicial reform. Biden doesn't like it, but then all of a sudden they'll give six billion dollars to Iran in a swap. And and I love this. They say, don't worry, we're going to account for every dollar that we give to the Iranians <laughs> to make sure it doesn't go to uh, to uh, uh, any terrorism. I think that's hilarious. So basically, you freed up six billion dollars to go to terrorism as they keep track of all the things they're going to do to help their infrastructure in Iran. It's just it's it, the world always seems a little bit backwards, uh, very backwards, actually, when it comes to understanding Israel in relationship to the nations. Well, you know, Chris, the very fact that you know what's going on in Israel, you know the the foibles that they have. You know the black marks that they might have. You don't know in Iran. You don't know in China. That's the characteristic of a democracy. You have to display your dirty laundry like I have to tell people when I bloop out. (laughs) You have to be transparent. (laughs) That's right. I'm trying to get you to stop doing that, and you're like, uh, you're just telling everybody. Maybe that makes me more of a dictator of this thing. Well, so. you see, you can, the idea in Israel is that 
and the United States, as we still have it, that you can be critical of things that we do, right, left, in the middle, it doesn't matter. Countries that don't have that, they no one knows what's going on. That's why so many people want to be here in this country. Steve, uh, I want to transition here because um, you we were talking about Iran, but recently Netanyahu not, is not only meeting with Biden in the United Nations, but he's also uh, met already with um, Elon Musk. Oh, that was great. In San Francisco. That's- and so you sent a video. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I've been uh, I've been busy, and I haven't had a chance to sit down and look at the video yet. But uh, you had a big smile on your face when you saw the video of Musk and Netanyahu together. Well, they discussed all kinds of topics. Uh, you know, Elon Musk was accused of being anti-Semitic, and uh, BB was with him. And as they were walking in his plant. BB had this huge smile and you could hear him hear him say, this is the future now. And he's walking, <laughs> he's got his security guys with him. He's, he's viewing all the things that are going on at Tesla and they got a cyber truck, Chris, and his security guards are with Netanyahu and he wants to ride in the cyber truck and he gets in the car or, or the truck and uh, Elon Musk is driving. And at first they go slow and the security people are kind of walking on the side. And then Elon Musk puts the pedal to the metal and boom, they drive <laughs> away. And and Netanyahu just loved, he looked like a kid in a candy store. And I have to admit, if I ever had that opportunity, oops, I just blooped out. But if I, if I ever had a chance to do that, I would have a smile as well. Uh, the technology that Elon Musk, he just had... Uh, Elon Musk had a live show on YouTube yesterday. Uh, uh, I I know a little. I saw a little of it. Uh, he's announcing another car, one that's supposed to be twenty thousand uh, dollars. Wow! I didn't get all the information about it, but he's he's trying to make it affordable for everyone. And anyway, Steve, I, I, I got did- I got my first EV car when I went to Tampa, and I had a rental. I had my first electric vehicle car. It was hilarious. I will tell you, I I got uh, I got EV stress. You know, I, I heard about that. We have a new issue: EV stress. Yeah, it's the EV stress. Where am I going to charge this thing? Now, that's the reason I really wanted a Tesla because I everywhere I drive, I see Tesla chargers. I see how they work. I've just from observation. But I didn't have a Tesla. They gave me another one. And uh, and I, I thought to myself, where do I even go with this thing? So fortunately, I only had the car for two days. I had plenty of battery. But still, you're driving around and you're thinking, I don't know how this thing works. Uh, and it's a little unnerving. Um, it was, But I will say, you're, you're worried about where you're going to get a recharge. But the drive is also very nice as well. So anyway, it was very my first time taking an EV around. And I will say, well, I don't, you and BB, you and BB could smile together. I bet you, you had a big smile. You sent me a picture. I sent of you the a picture of that Mustang. Hey, it's, and it's like a, it's like a futuristic and, car. It's yeah, like uh, going cool. to space. All right. Well, is the Israeli Prime Minister also met with uh, Elon Musk to talk about anti-Semitism? This comes from the AP News, where it says that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu kicked off a U.S. trip in California to talk about not only the cars that were that we were just talking about, but also about anti-Semitism on his social media platform, X, which is formerly Twitter. While Musk asked him to address his judicial overhaul in Israel, the two also discussed artificial intelligence and the sparsely attended live stream event um, on Monday. So it's really interesting to talk about this concept of uh, anti-Semitism. Stephen, I want your take on this anti-Semitism on social media platforms and coupling that with free speech. And I think that's kind of the the rub is that, you know, free speech and anti-Semitism. H- how do you, how do you uh, understand the two, Steve? I'm interested in your thoughts, your wise Jewish sage on uh, this. I, I don't have, I don't have a lot of wisdom on that. If a platform is free, uh, in other words, there's freedom other than, you know, the restraint of law, which is don't yell fire in a theater, that kind of thing, any kind of violence or threats to people. Look, uh, there are people who hold different views. 
if you have a platform that allows for the sharing of ideas, even if they're contrary to yours, as long, what about us, Chris, as believers? Could we share the gospel on a Twitter and um, uh, not have it taken off uh, to counter the kinds, kinds of things going on? Look, I don't like anti-Semitism. I think it's terrible. Uh, and I think you have to have a governor, if you will. You know, a governor is used on uh, uh, in amusement parks for when kids drive little cars and stuff. It only goes so fast. I think you need to have some restraint, uh, but only not in the sharing of ideas, but in the uh, in the words that you use uh, to share your ideas. I think that's fair, but it is a pickle. It is tricky. It is, and and I think it I think it's something that Elon Musk is trying to maneuver and trying to figure out, as opposed to what was before where somebody arbitrarily, based on their own interests, uh, shut down people uh, and allowed other people to share controversial things. I think Elon is trying. I don't think he's there. Uh, but I have hope uh, as he tries to maneuver and, and direct that it will happen Fairly, you know, reasonably fairly to me, the the rub is this is that in in free speech, I want people to let me know what they think. You know, hey, if you have an anti-Semitic issue and you say it online, guess what? I know who you are now. It gives me it gives me clarity. The thing that worries. So I really don't care what people say on social media uh, because it gives me information about who you are. Uh, that's one thing. So I, I I don't, you know, people should be able to say what they want. Here's where I get nervous, though, is that what people say, for me, I have a filter, a grid through which I process anti-Semitism that is a biblical one and one that understands anti-Semiti- the history of anti-Semitism. But what about those people, Steve, that don't have that biblical world worldview? And what about those people that don't understand the history of the Holocaust and the anti-Semitism that Jewish people have faced for millennia? That's where I get nervous that somebody's words, um, it's they they have the right to say it, but I get nervous that it will impact people who are more ignorant about the issue and which only perpetuates at that point anti-Semitism or any type that's, of racism. That's why it's a tough road to maneuver triggers what sometimes our words trigger people. You can't control other people. I agree that we should say what we want unless it's something that's promoting killing and murdering and uh, harming people. But yeah, identifying people for who they are is better. It's always better. Uh, Chris, we got to move on only because I've got to have lunch with uh, fellow old people. So Okay, well, uh, here we go. This is the Yiddish word of the day then. I just turned the music on, Steve, for Yiddish word of the day. Hey, can I set it up this way, Steve, for our Yiddish word? You know, we talked about the fact that Daniel... He and his friends found a lot of great favor with the king of Babylon. And yes, they, I, they probably became close. And uh, maybe they exchanged some terms of endearment for one another in some way. Let me hear the Gentiles say the term of endearment. The term of endearment, the Yiddish term of endearment is Moishala. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I love it. That is a term of endearment. Steve, you have to tell me if I'm wrong here, but is that often used more in marriages? Is that something somebody... Well, that would be used of a a wife talking to her husband. It's male. So you could... But I could hear Daniel say to Nebuchadnezzar, Moishala. Moishala. How's it going? That's right. Yeah, we're close. After all, he shared the dream. He shared his dream and interpreted it. He said, Moshala, I'll take care of you. That's great. Well, I know in Hebrew, there's a few different terms of endearment, like uh, hamudi, which means like you sweetie. That's uh, one that they like to use, hamudi, um, or hamuda for, for for women. And then they also, I get this a lot, uh, uh, hever, which means, or no, gever, which means friend, You're a, a friend. Yep. So, oh, President Clinton used that years ago as president. Oh, that was... It was he said Haver to about Israel. They had big posters of him when I was visiting Israel during his presidency. Yeah, 
Definitely a term of endearment. Well, Moishala is our Yiddish word for a term uh, of endearment. Moishala, Moishala. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar was ever regarded as a Moishala. <laughs> Well, maybe just for a moment when everything was nice and smooth and everything was working for them. But hey, listen, Moishala is the Yiddish word of the day. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining the Jew and Gentile podcast. We got to get Steve to lunch. He's got to get to lunch. He's got to get to lunch to be with his people, to talk Always to them. Something. Always, Always something. Well, listen, be sure. Steve is going to be doing his second class on the Fall Feast of Israel. You can join us by registering at foiequip.org if you haven't done that yet. Be sure to get there. You can register for free. Yom Kippur is the topic. And then the following week, he's going to be teaching on the Feast of Tabernacles. Next October, our very own scholar-in-residence, Peter Cologne will be teaching on Sabbath. You won't want to miss it. You can register for all these classes and other ways to get involved with the Friends of Israel by going to foiequip.org. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next week.